let's talk about this episode. I am Stuart Hollis, and this week we're going to talk about The Broca Divide, and I am joined, as always, by... I'm Thad Haight, and I'm also here to talk about The Broca Divide. Whoa. Imagine that. So, tell me what you remember about The Broca Divide. Um, about as much as last week. Uh, this is another one that I've perennially skipped, having okay. remembered it as being not very good. Sure. Uh, I remember that it was the one with the Neanderthals. Okay. Um, and that, like, I, all I remember really is they go to a planet, there's Neanderthals, and there's not Neanderthals, and then they start to turn into Neanderthals, and the day was saved in somehow that I didn't remember. Right. Uh, yeah, I remembered nothing based on the name. It wasn't until I read the synopsis that I'm like, oh, right, Caveman Jackson, which then I got mostly proven wrong on. It was more Caveman Jack. Um, well, I mean, there's, like, a little bit of Caveman Jackson. And I had remembered there being, like, weird, like, social commentary about divisions in societies, and no, that was also wrong, so... No, I thought there was that, too. So you're <laughs> also, like, we both have the same false memory on this one. Right. So the official synopsis from TV Guide, which we'll call official enough, uh, stu- two Stargate teams enter a world plagued by a disease that causes humans to regress into cave people. You know, accurate enough, although I'm not sure why we care about the other Stargate team. It's definitely a better description than last week's. Yes, because they didn't negotiate for weapons at all. <laughs> exactly. Um, uh, so this episode is important uh, for two things. It is the First appearance of two recurring characters, one being considerably more important than the other. Terrell Rothery. Woo! Indeed. Terrell Rothery is Dr. Janet Frazier, and some guy that I've never known his name as Colonel Makepeace. Yes. Okay, so he's a colonel. Yes. Okay. he's a Marine. Because Marine, I mean, what the hell does... Oh, yeah, that doesn't matter. Yeah, he is a colonel. I couldn't make out his insignia at any point because I had a comment about Colonel Makepeace. I remember him being referred to as Colonel Makepeace in future episodes, so Maybe it's he gets theoretically promoted. possible that right. he's a major, okay. but I think IMDb said he was a colonel. Okay. So, yeah, so we open with our mission briefing for planet P3X797, which is apparently based on a binary code. I don't know if Dr. Captain Samantha Carter... Captain Doctor knows how binary works. And I don't want to like mansplain at her, but it's simple. It's <laughs> one and zero. So in this mission briefing scene, there was something that I didn't notice until the second time through. Uh, there's a foreshadowing look. That yes, the... from Lieutenant Johnson. Yes. He I also. Teal'c a look. I also noticed that on my second watch through. Yeah, no, I you know, I thought the same thing. As soon as the second watch through started, I hit that point. It's like, ooh, I know what's going to happen here. And then, right after the binary code, uh, they say, we sent a MALP probe through. Well, we sent an M-A-L-P probe through. So, the problem with that is... The P presumably stands for probe? Mobile Analytic Laboratory Probe. All right, you nerd. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. So, you know, also, back to the blues in the briefing, except for Jackson, obviously, who's not and military. He's just, like, kicking her. Well, yeah, just kicking around and 
you know, utilities. What I found interesting was Teal'c had Stargate patch on his on his uh, jacket, whereas Jackson's is completely empty. Wow, you know, he's super duper civilian, I guess. But yes, they're back to the blues. I well, I guess should say they haven't stopped wearing the blues yet. They stopped wearing the blues. They were not in the blues two episodes ago. There were almost no, uh, like, there was, like, nothing from the SGC last episode, so we can't say for sure, but... One thing I definitely noticed, that Colonel Makepeace is a very decorated individual. I was too distracted looking at his shoulders for his rank insignia, because he then is later, have it your way, flyboy. And all, all I'm thinking is, at best, he's a colonel, because he's certainly not a general. He is a colonel. I'm looking at the still right now, and that is definitely an eagle. So he's a full colonel. I, I just couldn't quite tell from the angle. Um, so I'll well, take your it, word for no it. There's no way it's an oak leaf, is basically what I'm seeing. Well, I don't know. Um, okay, but still, it sort of seems like a, you know, jerk way of talking to Colonel O'Neill, head of well, SG-1, colonel compared to SG-3. Doesn't really get any better throughout the show. Yeah. And, of course, I have future knowledge that I won't divulge at this time. Just seems rude, really. But then, so we're back, so we're in the embarkation room, they're getting ready to hit the planet, dial the gate, Walter tells us that Chevron 7... Okay, so and, I actually, yeah. before they go through the gate, I have a thing. Mm. Okay. They talk about how it's really dark, and the MALP camera didn't see anything, because the MALP lights apparently were damaged in transit. And full of terrors, yes. So... The, the active wormhole generates light. Yes. Some. So, they may not have been able to see much, but they should have been able to see at least, like, the trees right in front of the gate. Right. I don't know. I mean, maybe... I mean, I guess he could have said that. You know, all we got was trees five feet in front of the MLP probe. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway. Anyway, we're going to talk about my thing now. Sure. So, <laughs> the tile of the gate... Walter tells us that Chevron 7 is locked. The gate pff, does its whooshy thing, right? A whoosh is the technical term. Right, thank you. And then now Gen- General Hammond tells SG-1 and SG-3 that they have a go. It's like, duh, Shouldn't that have you been dialed the, the gate. Shouldn't that have been, like, I don't know, like, the second, like, you know, like, before Walter says that Chev- you know, Chevron 7 has been dialed? I feel like that's typically said, like, one. at the end of the meeting when they're, like, sitting down and talking about, General, we have to go here. and then well, they You have a go, why. people. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Just seemed weird. I mean, stuck out is all. Also, their helmets. They're wearing helmets again. Not Jack. Well, no, of course not Jack. <laughs> Jack's too cool for helmets. They are still wearing those ridiculously huge backpacks. Though. They're called rucksacks. Jeez, okay. man. They're still wearing the rucksacks, though. Yeah, like, packed full of goodies. I don't even know, like, what are they taking with them? Well, it's dark. They have no idea what they're going to encounter, I guess. And full of terrors. Uh, so, there's... Hold on, there was one thing that I wanted to mention, and I'll try to remember what it was. Oh, yeah, you mentioned Walter Dialed Gate. This is, in right. fact, the third episode with uh, Sergeant Walter Harriman. So, so far, we're at three for four for Walter, which is... More Walter than averages for the series. Is it? He's in slightly over half the episodes of the entire show. I 
thought that he was like the sixth most appearing person on the show. That's still... Those two are not mutually exclusive. I get that, but I thought that, like, you know, way the heck up there. I'm looking this up, and we're just gonna, you know... I, like, looked this up myself earlier today. That's why I know this. Stuart needs to know for sure. 112. You're not kidding. That's right. And what was it that there were 214 episodes total? No one's been in all of them. 213. I thought there were two. I thought it was that it was like no one has been in all of them. Uh, from what I IMDb says, there were 213 episodes. Oh, okay. Are you taking that based on what? Like the I'm, fact that the meta tapping was in 213 episodes? No, based on the top the fact that on IMDb's page, directly underneath Stargate SG1, it says episode guide 213 episodes. This has been a brief interlude of Stargate Weekly. <laughs> Stuart and Thad argue about IMDb information weekly. So yeah, uh, Amanda Tappy and Christopher Judge have been in it. Were in every episode. Okay, fine. Be that way. Or at least were credited in every episode. Right. But anyway, so we have our intro. They step through the gate. Boom! Intro time. And yet, no, no. I'm sorry. The intro comes after they get to the planet. Oh yeah. So and Jack whispers. Fan out because you know the Stargate dialing is super stealthy. So no, I just remembered what it is with the no. There is no episode that they were all actually in, but for the one episode or possibly two that Amanda Tapping wasn't in, she was still credited, and the same applies to Christopher Judge. Right. So we're both right, but me just as much as you. Yeah, makes me sad. I prefer it when I'm more right when we're both right. So. I feel like this super dark planet isn't quite as dark as it should be. No, it seems really not very dark for a very dark planet. Like, you can see the sky has, like, a little bit of light to it. Right. And that might be, we're not going to film a super dark, we're not going to put up a black screen with a blue blur on the edge, and then you just hear voices. Could be that. And I feel like this may... You know, be, you know, just 90s TV filmmaking, too. Mm-hmm. You're saying it would be darker? I mean, other than the obvious reason why it would be darker and grimmer and grittier and all that other well, jazz thinking, that was made we today. we have had, like, actual t- episodes of television where it is basically pitch black except for whatever sources of light the characters have. That's true. Yeah, we can basically only see their faces and... I'm thinking uh, Game of Thrones, the Battle of Blackwater was like that. Sure. I mean, it's right there in the name. That's the one that pops into my mind. Yeah. All right. Okay, so they're on the planet now. They're being attacked. And this is the first time that J.O. Jackson gets beat up on this episode. This episode, yeah. I I kept tally because it seemed like it was a lot, this episode. I counted four, maybe five times. So then we cut to them shining a light on the face of someone who looks a lot like a Neanderthal. Although, interestingly enough, the word Neanderthal is never used in this episode. That's true. And then they're like, what is that? I have no idea. And we cut to theme. Right. So then after we come back to theme, Daniel Jackson says something completely scientifically wrong. Go on. He says that they they look like Australopithecus or Homo erectus. Yes. Are those mutually exclusive? No. Those are both very early human ancestors. 
ancestors that didn't really look that much like humans and weren't as big as humans. Right, yeah, we kept getting bigger to house our big brains. So those, they really don't look anything like those. Obviously, no one's actually seen one in the flesh. But based on, you know, the skeletal remains, they... These do not look anything like Australopithecus or Homo erectus. They look more if, like, say, Neanderthals. Yes, Homo mm. sapiens neanderthalensis. All right. You're just going for the nerd prize this episode, aren't you? <laughs> you also pronounced, I'm not going to try it, Austral- Australopithecus? Australopithecus. Thank you. I mean, I stumble over words to begin with, and you're throwing, like, weird words at me. <laughs> To be fair, I didn't know how to spell it, and I was really glad that uh, when I was taking notes that my phone is like, after I type Australo, it's like, oh, I know what you're going to (laughs) type. You're a huge nerd. (laughs) (laughs) You could have asked Siri. I bet bet she would have hooked you up. Like, you know. That's probably true. Yeah, they are looking over the things Jackson is making his wild-ass unfounded speculations that you're saying are also wrong, Mr. Anthropologist, and that is, you know, you know, you don't really know what they are. No. And then we meet the not Neanderthal people, and they're weird. Oh well, first we see that the Neanderthals currently are holding a not Neanderthal captive. Right, and Carter is very upset about this. Yes, and you know, Jack's apparent unspoken prime directive of, well, maybe we shouldn't get involved because that's totally a thing in Stargate. They totally don't get involved anywhere. Yeah, spoilers. They totally get involved. That's why there's nine more seasons, and then right. five more seasons, and then two more seasons. Because yeah. it's something that struck me towards the end of the episode. SG-1 is like American exceptionalism writ large across the galaxy. Oh, God, yes. <laughs> so, no, they get involved. But apparently not when, you know, someone's being raped by Neanderthals. You know... You gotta draw the line somewhere. Yeah, I guess. So then the not Neanderthals who are wearing like weird, weird gauzy like yeah proto surgical like like you know like, like full body face masks sort of thing. It was probably the the point of it. You know, I'm gonna cover myself in this with white strings, just like surgical gowns are too. Sure, but the. You know, this sort of trope that, you know, if I wear this white, gauzy material and cover everything but my eyes, then surely I'll be okay, because not my eyes are massive mucous membranes or anything. Yeah, and, like, what's weird about that is, like, they clearly don't understand the concept of disease, because when they try to explain disease later, they just get blank looks. Right. That's a good point that I hadn't thought of at all. I was just, all I was thinking was, oh, it's this trope. You know, we're going to show this culturally primitive, from our perspective group that knows enough to wrap themselves in gossamer when around sick people. Yeah, but so they it don't... must have been like a tradition thing or something that yeah. like the Gould had instilled in them for some reason. Goulds. <laughs> yes. Sorry. Yeah, and like the weird way they just like reached out and checked the back of the neck, it seemed kinda odd and forceful and didn't well, explain remember, themselves at all. The reason they were going to this planet in the first place is because they suspect it might be the one that the, that uh, no, 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 fled to at the end I, of the first episode. I understand why they were checking the back of the neck. It's that it was just they didn't say anything to them. Basically, 
all the conversation between the SG teams was between the SG teams, and very little of anything was directed at the Gossamer wearing right. we later find out That's Minoans. Right. And it's just I'm just gonna reach over here and I'm just gonna, you know, like expose you and look at the back of your neck and not gonna tell you why. While guns are pointed at you, that you don't know what those are, but they seem menacing. Yeah, that's fair. Because everyone speaks English, so they could have said. Mm-hmm. And so, of course, they think that SG One is gods, are are gods because they came through the gate. And then yes. when they say they're not gods, they're like maybe they just are, they're they are gods, but they're trying to pretend they're not gods. Yeah, has Jack never seen Ghostbusters? Mm, quite. If someone asks you you if you are a god, you say yes. So then they lead us to the Land of Light. Yes, and we're in the big banquet hall, and they crack jokes about the big banquet hall, and I take the jokes. It's, it's fine. They're not, like, funny funny, but, no. you know. standard, dry, Stargate humor. Yeah, fun banter. It's great. You know, and we see them outside of their gossamer, and they're wearing just ridiculous clothing. Just really weird. It's, well, it is Minoan clothing, except the women are wearing more family-friendly versions of Minoan clothing. Okay, so hold on a second, because not to be out-nerded, I tried to look up, briefly, what Minoan culture was like and what kind of clothing they wore. And based on my brief searching of this, I saw very little indication of clothing, mostly because I hadn't gotten far enough in the search process to be like, just show me the clothes. Uh, Did you, 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 you you went more nerd and and you looked up I, their clothing didn't yeah yeah uh, um I mean uh, honestly uh, I could go even more nerd than that I remember what Minoan clothing looks like from a from when you were a Minoan <laughs> yes exactly no from what from a book I read like fifteen years ago from uh, back when you were a member of a proto Greek culture in the Aegean like what the hell. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I mean. I mean. I didn't have to look it up. I already knew is what I'm saying. Right, because I, you know, was that, a great leader in Minoan culture. I didn't look it up. I already knew. I'm I King also, Minos. Yeah, King Minos was the king of the Minoans. They were on the they were on the island of Crete. Uh, yep, and uh, they were destroyed by a volcanic eruption. I did, however, learn nothing about their clothing, but that. The island of Crete has no wildlife anymore. No wild game, I should say, because the Minoans hunted it to extinction. Hmm. Also, I mean, on the island, it's not like they, the you know. the women the f- women uh, wore gowns in which one breast was exposed. That's what I was getting at with the huh. whole, they're more family friendly. Although they do have rather plunging necklines, mm, especially rather. the like the the main Minoan woman. Sure. Like, the number two person, basically. Did they give me... They named the... the woman they rescued. She's Melosha. Yeah. No, no, he... The guy, definitely, they give his name. It's like... Yes. Topol or something. It's not Topol, but it's something like that. I think it's pretty close to Topol. Yeah, but Topol is the name of that Jewish actor. Tulip? What? What? The guy Tuba. from Fiddler on the Roof is Topol. Oh, I've not seen Fiddler on Well, the guy who plays Tevya, the main character of Fiddler on the Roof, for like 30 years, his name is Topol. That's why I remember that. Okay, hold on. I'm looking this up. Ugh. George Plunkett is the actor in Tuplo. question. Yes. 
was Tupelo. This is hard to see on the phone because it's all and scrunched up. And the woman is Lidora. Lidora. That one I had because she's not High Counselor Tupelo. So <laughs> it's just Lidora there. Just there. Mm. But yes, so we meet High Counselor Tupelo and Lidora. And we find out that there are the Touched, who are the Neanderthals by any other name. Mm-hmm. And the untouched, which they are. Yeah. And that's the best we get out of them. And Jack's like, well, no gould here. Let's pack it in. Let's go home. Yeah. Which makes sense because his, especially when you consider what this mission was originally about, it wasn't an exploration mission. It was a. Right. Yeah. It was a mission because they they honestly thought they might come to where Apophis had gone. Uh, yeah. SG-1 is not on a five-year mission. Well, they do definitely go to planets just as exploration. Like, Sure, it's like, this episode. is the next one on the list. Let's just go here. The last episode, they just went to the Mongol planet because that was the planet that they were assigned to go to. Sorry, it wasn't to, like, trade weapons? <laughs> so anyway, Daniel really doesn't want to leave. He's like, we can, you know, study the Minoans, and this is really cool, and whatever. So then they, sure. go, back through, they go back through the gate, and... Hammond asks if they found anything. Jack says mm-hmm. no. Daniel says yes. Daniel gives, starts to get launch into an impassioned speech is the wrong word. Uh, plea? It's a bit yeah, of a I plea. Guess that's All right. So Hammond we're clearly is trying to tell him no. No. You're no. F- we're, we're we're cutting all of that. We're starting with the thing. Okay. So I can do it. So so we're back in the briefing room and Jackson's giving an impassioned plea to General Hammond that we need to science all the things all the time. And Hammond's trying to cut him off, and Jackson cuts him off in turn. And it's very clear, at least it was to me, that Hammond's trying to cut him off to say that, yes, you were right. But And then he eventually does succeed and says, yes, you were right. And then uh, we see a cut to Lieutenant Johnson with bulging eyes staring at Teal'c, rocking back and forth creepily in his chair. Going crazy. And then a minute later, he does, in fact, go crazy. And, like, apparently he had already been harboring, and that was that look from them earlier. He had Mm -hmm. already been harboring, like, latent, you know, anger towards Teal'c for carrying a ghoul inside him, because how dare he? Right. Then he says, how would it like its neck ripped in half, talking about the ghoul symbiote? And all I'm thinking is, it's all neck, man. (laughs) That's fair. Where does the next start? Where does the neck right. end? Well, start, you know, at the, like, very base of the head. Like, right, yeah, no, the sure. Where the neck begin? Right, yeah, no, exactly. You know, it's like basically like outside of the jaw, it's just neck all the way down. Pretty much. So anyway, Teal incapacitates him, and they carry him off to sickbay because he started foaming at the mouth and being weird. Right, yeah. Yeah, the foaming at the mouth thing was sort of like a, you know, cut away, cut back, and he's foaming at the mouth, and that was kind of odd to me. Yeah. I feel like he should have, like, had a little bit of spittle going or something while Teal'c was not getting beat up. Then we cut to Sam doing something sciency with the gate. Yes. And then another fight breaks out in the briefing room, and right through the window, to the ground, bright red blood. Yep. It was the other... It was two members of... The other Marines that weren't making yes. these. Yeah. And anytime I see... Bright red blood. All I can think of is uh, Brothers Bloom with Mark Ruffalo 
and that other actor who's really Adrian great. Brody. Thank you. Uh, and talking about how Rachel Weiss. Well, well, yes, she's also in it. But the brothers Bloom talking to someone, or maybe perhaps each other, about it's the blood that gives it away because real blood dries brown. Mm-hmm. And that's a that's totally a '90s thing. Like TV blood didn't become realist, and movie blood too didn't become. Oh yeah, no movie blood. God, like, pfft. like watch any '80s action movie, and it's ridiculous. yeah, no, like I mean, Predator. The blood was so red it was green at some points. It was ridiculous. <laughs> but just remember, if it bleeds, you can kill it. This is true. That's true. So yeah, crashing through the window, and then shortly thereafter, we're at the locker room. Uh, well, uh, when they crash through the window, there's also a small thing of foreshadowing that I missed ah. the first time again. Uh, after Sam... Oh, her rubbing her neck. Yeah. After Sam yes. calls in that the two men have crashed through the window, mm-hmm. she then scratches her neck. I caught that the first time around, because I'm better than you. Well, okay then. Right, but, I mean, whatever. You're like an ancient Minoan... Like... I can pronounce Australopithecus. What can you do? <sighs> See people scratching their necks, obviously. <laughs> I mean, my skill's great. So then we cut to Jack in the locker room. Yes. And Sam slamming his locker door shut while she pounces on him. And Jack's response is, uh, Carter, sorry, I didn't know you were in here. Like, okay, shouldn't it be more like, Carter, why are you here? Well, I mean, that depends. I mean, I guess they could have a... They could just have a unisex locker room. I don't know how Air Force bases worked in the 90s. Right. And it's also possible that maybe they just never put in a women's locker room. And so. Uh, Carter is not the only woman at the SGC. I recognize that. And so maybe they take turns. Uh, That could be. Like from 1200 to 1400, the men get the locker room. From 14 to 16, the women do, etc. That seems. Sure. I'm just saying. His response is odd, and then she kisses him. Well, she says she wants him, and then she kisses him. Yep, and then he fights her off, and right. he says, we need to get you, you need a doctor, doctor, doctor. Which is the first of two times they use the doctor, doctor line this episode. I didn't notice the other time. Daniel tells um, Fraser that she's the doctor, doctor. Yeah, I didn't notice that at all. Anyway... Anyway, so then we take her to, we cut to Sam in the infirmary, and we see Dr. Frazier for the first time. Yes. And that's very brief, and then we cut back to Jack in the control room. Well, and... first uh, we see, uh, it, after, at, after we see Sam in the, Sam thrashing around in the, in the sick bay, and uh, Frazier leads Jack to the room where they have Lieutenant Johnson isolated, and we see that he's gone right. super crazy and his brows are swelling. Yes, he's going full Neanderthal. Quite. Yes. We also see that Colonel Makepeace is doing the same thing. Oh, okay. I missed that, definitely. I think I just sort of ignore Makepeace, because he's... Yeah. I mean, that's fair. So then, uh, as uh, as they're walking away from Makepeace, mm-hmm. going crazy, we see Jack scratching his back. Yes. Apparently, scratching is a precursor to... So, also, interestingly... In the scenes where Fraser is showing Jack uh, make peace and Johnson, Jack's mm-hmm. shirt is not ripped. Is it later ripped? In the scene where Jack is in the control room and Daniel walks up to him, Jack's shoulder is completely out of his shirt, a la classic Star Trek Kirk. Okay. 
Whenever Kirk I mean, would get in a fight in Star Trek, his shirt would always get ripped like that. You know, you're admiring Jack's body. I, I get that. Well, because it's a plot point. Because Daniel's like, whoa, what happened to you? Right. And we lead into the second time that Jackson gets beat up this episode. Yep. And so, he's and it's at first it seems Jack's okay. He's explaining what happened. And then Daniel mentions that he wants to go visit Carter. And we realize that Jack has gone crazy with jealousy. Right. And something that I touched on in this one was him saying, well, she's my friend. I want to make sure she's okay. And all of, you know, from the viewer's perspective, they've been together for a month. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if they would have aired. The, doesn't matter. They've not been together for all that long. And although in the last episode, we definitely were led to understand that they are taking, they're going on more than one mission a week. Um, but it's still it's sort of like, that seems quick. So then, yeah, Jack, uh, Jack beats up Daniel for the second time this episode. Yep. Uh, Jack's hauled off by Marines, or soldiers, uh, MPs, I guess. We don't know if they're Marines. And then Daniel is helped up by a woman who I suspect may be Carter's stunt double. Okay, just on set. Yeah, because uh, for instance, you know, uh, Sergeant Siler, who I don't think has been introduced yet. Um, Correct. Uh, is played by Dan Shea, who is uh, Richard Dean Anderson's stunt double, which is why he's in so many episodes. He's just, like, on set, so they just use him for things. Ah. That's why I... It's a blonde woman. That's why I'm thinking... A, a woman with short blonde hair. That's why I'm like, I wonder. You're just going for, like, wow. I mean, that's, like, four points in the nerd column for you. I think I've got one, <laughs> maybe one and a half. I'm losing. I'm losing badly. I'm sorry. Yeah. So we're back at the infirmary now, correct? Yes. Okay. And and is this Frazier the part reveals that it is definitely a virus? Yes. And she's talking to Daniel Jackson and Mr. Teal'c. Yes. But Which Daniel does correct her. Yes. He, he says no. It's sort Mr. of. Teal'c. Well, he's like Mr. Teal'c. No, Teal'c. Right. No. But but the, yeah, he's not like super overt about it, and because she clearly doesn't take the hint, because she drops Mr. Teal'c at least three, four more times throughout the episode. And it is revealed that uh, apparently Daniel and Teal'c are both immune. They suspect Teal'c is immune because Jaffa, but yes. they don't know why Daniel was immune. Just Daniel thinks, I guess. Also. Jack, when infected, sounds like a dinosaur. Oh my god, so much like a dinosaur. It was kind of weird. <laughs> yeah, seriously, it was ridiculous. Very strange. And uh, so, uh, Daniel and Teal'c what, uh, go back to the planet then to... Oh, I'm sorry. No, the next thing where they realize is we see... We see... Cars or trucks pulling up out front and soldiers getting behind the trucks, holding rifles, just, you know, ready to shoot any infected that come out, which I feel like was a slight overreaction. I understand the lockdown, but I'm not quite sure the soldiers crouching behind the hood of the truck with their guns ready. And I have, I wonder if that's just, because we see this, the spoilers, this is going to come up again in the next nine seasons. Um that they're going to not want anyone to leave the mountain. Mm. So 
I don't know, maybe they're like, well, we're probably going to do this again anyway. Let's just go ahead and get this shot done. But the other thing, too, is after that scene, we have Hammond's phone ringing. It's the president, I presume. And him telling him, well, I highly recommend that we fully lock down the mountain and shoot and, you know, kill anyone who no, leaves and then burn their bodies. He's ordered the mountain sealed. Okay, but didn't he then, like, he then later gave a recommendation about, like, shooting on sight anyone who tries to leave, right? Yes, then his Right, so would ordering the mountain sealed also include pointing the guns back at the mountain, That's or would that be the shooting upon exit thing? That's what I'm getting at. And also, like, I totally, like, assume that basically Hammond had called the White House, said, I need to speak to the president. They're like, he'll call you back. And that's why the president called him. Oh, yeah, no, sure. I, I was just... But that still seemed weird, and I think it would have worked better... Like, If I he don't had think... called the president? Yeah. Sure. Like, I understand the logic on this, how like, this might have really gone down, but it seemed, like, totally unnecessary for the story to have the president calling Hammond. It also seems, you know... A little unlikely. Yeah. Hammond isn't another world leader. The president does, doesn't need to be on his schedule. Yeah. But So we have the phone call to the president, and then what happens? Because you're tracking along with the episode on your laptop, and I'm just sort of winging it. Sure, yeah. Uh, For so, listeners who are just jumping in on this episode now, 40 minutes in. <laughs> so then we cut back to the sick bay, and... Frazier is saying that maybe the people on the planet have something in them that keeps them immune and we need a blood sample. Sure, yeah, makes sense. And we get my favorite Donna Davis line of the episode, and part of what I always love about Donna Davis is his inflection and his way of like making pronouncements mm. where it's, you're immune! I don't know anyone else who is. Wait, 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 wait. just the two of us? You're immune. I don't know anyone else who is. Yeah, just love his inflection and how he delivers a line like that. Obviously, yeah, Donald Davis is great every second he's on screen. I, every time. Pretty much. I rest in peace, Donald Davis. Absolutely. But it's those moments, especially, that I just live for. Yeah. So then they yeah. go through the gate. Mm-hmm. And they find... Daniel Jackson gets beat up for the third time. Yep. <laughs> and, and don't worry, listeners. The fourth time is still coming, and uh, possibly the fifth too. It depends on how you count them. <laughs> that's true. And they find uh, they find the woman whose name oh Melosha. I left the IMDb page open. Uh, <laughs> they find the woman that they had rescued earlier lying on the planet floor, and it looks like she's grown a brow. Uh, yes, and Jackson, of course, wants to help her, and yeah, I don't mean that in like a weird, snide way. Jackson's no, he caring individual. Really does because yeah, he's, yeah, yeah, you know. yeah. Uh, and he looks like, nah, bro, we have a mission. Except this isn't yeah. episode two hundred, so he doesn't say it that way. And instead, it's you know, we'll, we like no, we leave her, we'll come back. So Teal is firing his gun to scare away the caveman and tells. Yes. Jackson to do the same. Jackson is does not because he's carrying Melosha. Jackson also seems like slightly confused by this, or not, I don't know if confused is quite the right word, but sort of like, well, what do you mean fire my gun? That seems like a dumb suggestion at this moment. So Jackson gets beat up again and dragged away. Yes. So then Teal continues on to mm -hmm. the Land of Light. Also, something that I forgot to bring up 
before. Oh, actually, we have a cut back to the base now. Okay, fine. After Jackson is dragged away, we cut to Frazier bringing comatose General Hammond into Jack's room because they're out of space to put to keep people one to a room. Yes, and we get Jack, you know, communicating through the sedatives. Yeah, he begs for more sedative, then she gives yes. it, and then he's, like, slightly lucid. Right. And he tells her to experiment on him to solve the issue. And it ends with this weird expression on Fraser's face when she holds his hand or he holds hers. I can't remember, like, who initiated what. Um, but just this odd, affectionate expression on her face. He reaches out and touches her face. Right. But her expression. Yes. Is definitely strange. Yes. Anyway, then we cut to Teal going to the Land of Light, and right. you had something to say. Yes. That the first time we meet the Minoans, you know, your people, that they had said, <laughs> we will take you to the Land of Light, and then later, the Touched, who are in the Land of the Dark. Yes. How come that gets an article and the other one doesn't? I don't know, man. Okay, fine. Anyway, Teal marching back to the Minoan Banquet Hall, the only, the only building in the Minoan Village, apparently. This set is used later for another episode. I'm pretty sure this set was used in the first episode. Well, okay, complete with the Minoan trimmings is used later in season one. Ah, okay. But, anyway, he goes back, tells the Minoans... It's not a curse. It's a disease. They don't know what diseases are. They don't care. Uh, and then Tilk tells them, I must have a sample of your blood. He really needs to work on his people skills. And they say no, because blood is their essence of life, and they won't do that. And then, and then they're like, you better be gone when we come back. And then they, they slowly walk out of the room. Oh, like, right. But like they don't like tell the guards to escort him out they're like you can leave on your own but you better do it in the next amount of time which is so super there. weird but does allow for this next scene where teal knocks both guards in, unconscious and takes blood well, from one of them he apologizes is, first it's still super unethical <laughs> that's exactly what i was thinking too like man not very tact like not very tactful and his ethics are very murky <laughs> <laughs> My notes, in fact, say drawing blood against someone's will is super unethical. You don't know it's against his will. He's knocked out. He can't. <laughs> <laughs> I suppose that's one way to prevent that argument. You don't know that he wasn't going to give consent. He couldn't anyway. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. So, yes. <laughs> then we cut to a scene where Jackson gets beat up for the fourth time. Yes. This was the second super obvious time that Jackson got beat up. But I just presume that any time Jackson gets up and has to put his glasses back on, that he got beat up. So that's that's why my count is the number that it is. If you want to go with obvious, you know, ass kickings, it's two. Yeah, but yeah, we can assume it's happened. Putting the glasses back on, it's five. Yeah. Well, obviously, he doesn't put the glasses back on at this time because Teal casts his glasses, but yes. Yes. We cut to the Neanderthals. Jackson tries to crawl away and gets knocked back. 
Yeah, just just, just beat the cr- like just kicked over and over again. Yes. It's like what the hell? Yes. And then we cut back to Cheyenne Mountain. Teal comes yes. back, or sorry, Mister Teal comes back. Yeah, man, get it and, right. And Fraser's like, Mister Teal, I'm glad you're back. And he tells her he has the blood. Oh, we also see that Sam has been stabbed in the stomach by her roommate. But it's fine. She'll be fine. Yes. We've had to put more than one person in isolation, thereby making it not isolation. The only reason this scene exists is so that Jack can crack a joke at the end of the episode. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Anyway. um, Anyway, Teal'c gives her the blood. Mm -hmm. Good work, Mr. Teal'c. Yes. And then we cut to uh, Fraser and Teal'c visiting Jack, who is still semi-lucid due to sedatives. And Fraser launches into her long, very technical explanation of how she solved the problem, why it works, why certain people were immune, and she's telling it to the two people least equipped to care. Yeah. The alien and the guy who's infected. And let's be clear. Even if Jack had not been infected, he still would have been like... He also still wouldn't care. Yeah. (laughs) You know, he he would care insofar as, like, could you please get to the point about how I can use this knowledge to solve my problem? So, extremely long story short, uh, the virus thrives on histamine, and if people have no histamine in them, which is also not scientifically possible because if you had no histamine, you would die. But is histamine like an electrolyte? Yes. Is it what I crave? It is. It is in fact like an electrolyte. Neat. I don't think it actually is an electrolyte, but it does. It is a chemical in your body that helps with certain processes. And if you don't have any, it would be very bad. Okay, but, we're gonna give you a half nerd point on that one. Yeah, because I don't know exactly what it does. His half point. Yeah. Yeah, but. Like, I looked this up because I'm like, that doesn't sound right. And I got a very technical article about what it did. And like, oh, I didn't quite fully grasp it because I'm not a doctor. Uh, (laughs) But, (laughs) you know, and she's like talking and talking and talking and talking. And it's like, at some point, surely they could have just thrown in there. And since I take this, you know, powerful antihistamine. I have basically no histamine in my system on which the virus can feed. That would have been fine. She actually literally says, I have no histamine for the micro the fragment, which is just not accurate. She's got all the mother words there. Could just like, you know, subbed one out for basically them. Yeah. But anyway, so yeah, that's basically it. So she and Daniel both have allergies and we've shown that Daniel has allergies from the very beginning. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, call back there, I guess. Sure. Uh, and that's why the that's why they have been immune. And apparently the untouched eat something that has a natural antihistamine that keeps them untouched. Well, maybe, or, you know, it, it could be anything. Maybe in the land of light, their plants, instead of, you know, giving off allergens, give off anti-allergens or something, you know? Right. Um... You know, who knows what? Like something in her in their diet, I think is what she said. But it could be. I mean, you're you're the Minoan anthropologist, so <laughs> I'm you know, sorry. The the book I read like 15 years ago didn't go into what the Mino- what natural antihistamines the Minoans were known to imbibe. 
Why are you even here, man? <laughs> so anyway, We're, then th- she says... Th- this is, this is you know, like, you know, appropriate Minoan culture weekly. Like... Does it count as cultural appropriation when they've been dead for 3,000 years? <sighs> Who knows? Anyway, Dr. Frazier then... Then says that they have a cure that she needs to test on someone. And Jack's like, me. She's like, I thought... I, th- I thought you'd say that. And honestly, that's all she could she needed to say. And Jack, and the same thing would have happened. She didn't have to explain anything. Right, no, exactly. And we're also getting into Dr. Frazier being a little unethical. Yes. <laughs> I'm not sure if, like, military medical ethics guidelines are more or less rigid than civilian ones. I feel like I can see an argument made for either side. Yeah. But it's like, he was barely capable of giving consent. I realize he's like, experiment on me in his weird drugged out state. But it's his weird drugged out state. Like That said, if none of them were capable of giving consent, then I think she would still have been, like, allowed to administer it to someone. Yeah, and you have to wonder if it's one of those things where it's like, well, I'll deal with the court martial. Sure. So, she does that. Then we see Jack lying in his cot, and yep. cuts to Jack pounding on the door and Teal looking in, and uh, Teal revealing he st- still knows nothing about American pop culture. You referred to me as Lucy. I cannot be certain you're back to being yourself. You referred to me as Lucy. Yes. Good line. It was, yes. I love Mr. Teal. So anyway, Jack is, Jack is back to normal. He's let out, and then we cut some time has passed, and we cut to the Stargate being dialed, mm-hmm. Walter's at the computer dialing, and, As he should we see, be. and we see, and I like this scene, even though he still shouldn't have actually be wearing the blue jacket, we see, Ham, we see Hammond walk up silently, not saying anything, just see him button his jacket and, t- and straighten his ties like, nothing happened here, I was never incapacitated. Now, why are you saying he shouldn't be wearing the jacket? Well, basically, just because... After, like, episode 10, he doesn't. Okay, so you're not saying it based on any sort of military protocol. I don't actually know how that goes. I think there are circumstances under which he'd be allowed to doff the jacket, but if he's standing up and outside of his office and in a command capacity... I guess, yeah, I guess shouldn't is the wrong word. And wants to put on a bit of a show for his troops to say that things are back to normal and he's back in Which charge. Which is exactly what he's doing, and I, and I exactly. really like that scene. He, he, it has a lot of gravitas. Yes, I feel like he should have had his jacket buttoned before he left his office, but I'm just saying. And, you know, tightened his tie before he left his office, too. Well, he just straightened the tie, just straightened. So anyway, now they go back to the planet. Mm-hmm. Jack and Carter are back to their old selves, and... They've got uh, tranquilizer darts. That's right. So the real question is, after they unleash tranks upon the Neanderthals, leaving behind Melosha and Jackson, do we count Jackson getting tranked as a full no. beat-up or just a half beat-up? I knew that's where you were going and maybe <laughs> a quarter beat-up. Quarter? <laughs> <sighs> I stand by four and a half beat-ups. So then they carry Jackson's unconscious body back to the land of light. Yes. And they freak out because they brought an infected, or a touched, I should say. Because they but only Jackson's means. body and not 
like, Hi, High Counselor Tapal's Tulips. What's the name again? Uh, High Counselor Tuplo. Tuplo's daughter with them. Yeah. I felt like, honestly, right up until the moment we cut to them walking back up the steps with just Jackson, I was sure this episode ended with them leading a group of lucid uh, former Neanderthals back to the city. Which is actually sort of how the episode ends. You just apparently forgot the bit in, like, you know, the couple minutes like before that happens. Yeah, and it just seems weird that this happened this way at all. Like, I feel like they should have just, like, instead of bringing unconscious Daniel back and... Brought conscious half the town back. Yes. Right. I can agree with that. From my perspective, when they bring Jackson back and they're trying to explain again, but this time better because it's not Teal, Mr. Teal, that it's a disease, not a curse, you dummies. And they say, well, how could you lift the curse if you're not gods? I kind of wish that their response had been something to the effect of our knowledge makes us as gods or our mm. science does something to that effect. Carl Sagan. Right, because especially as, like, the final thing that Jackson says to Tuplo before they leave the planet, which is, we'll teach you. Yeah. Because I feel like it's one of those things where it's, if I could go back in time and be part of this whole process of making this awesome and ridiculous show, to say there's a story that you could be telling that knowledge is power and knowledge is how you defeat the false gods Hmm. because especially in light of 2017 and the things that we're dealing with now and Mm. you know i saw it put recently on something proud pig pig headedness yep having more examples of knowledge being power would be good word and that's our social commentary so anyway they explain they try to explain again what's happening. They're like, okay, really the only way is if we show you. They do see that Daniel has been cured, though, so they know that yes. something's up. So then they lead the Minoans to the wood's edge, and that, this is when the lucid former cavemen wander out. Yes, good timing, lucid former cavemen. Yeah, like, or had they, like, there's no way they had, were already aware of, like, hey, guys, just wait. It'll be more dramatic if you wait. No. Well, if Jackson's awake, then they probably wake up around the same time. It's like, well, why am I in the woods? I should head back to town. So, eh, okay. I'll allow it. Waked up. What? Is that what I said? Yes, that's what you said. I apparently changed my mind halfway through the sentence as to what I was going to say. So, yeah. Uh, we see... So, we see Melosha and Lidora's father. Mm-hmm. As well as some other random former cavemen. And they bow to Jack, and Jack's like, Jack pulls him up. I think it could have been cooler if Jack had, like, knelt down with him and been like... Yeah. But I, I, pulling him up works, too. Sure. And Daniel tells him, we'll, we'll teach you how to do this. And then we have the, the joke that was set up by Carter being stabbed in the stomach. Yep. <sighs> yeah. It was all right. Of all the sort of... Other things in this episode where they dance with consent and ethics, and we should, inter- you know, we should intervene. She's being raped. Nah, let's not do that sort of stuff. I feel like the thank goodness, otherwise you never wear that sweet tank top again. Is really the least of our worries. Yeah, no, it wasn't terrible. It could have been a lot worse. You know, it made me think of the line from Winter Soldier, 
where Black Widow's telling Captain America, and then I got shot through the stomach with this, you know, with the bullet leaving this gnarly scar. No more bikinis for me. Yeah, I bet you look terrible in them now. Yeah, I had forgotten about that line entirely. I've actually only seen Winter Soldier once. You're missing out. It's wonderful. Uh, Carter's a soldier, and, you know, so... Yeah, no, no, that was standard banter. It just, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, anyway. Spending too much time on this, I think. Yes. So, that's the end of the episode. That is the end of the episode. So, I gotta tell you, I enjoyed it. I thought it was solid, standard fare yeah. sci-fi episode. You know? Like, it didn't break any new ground. It wasn't gonna be, like, on anybody's top ten list of all-time favorite SG-1 episodes, but it was good. It was solid. Got the job done. No, I feel the same way about this one as I did about Enemy Within. I remembered it being a lot worse than it really was. Yeah, and I wonder how much of that is sort of, like, season one shading, where it's mm. Season one as a whole... As opposed to Emancipation, Oof. which I remembered being just as terrible as it actually was. Yeah, no, for real. Uh, but, you know, season one being, like, a little bit weaker overall, because the show and the cast and the writers are still trying to find their feet and what the tone of the show is going to be. And so, you know, that happens. And that's forgivable. But, yeah, no, definitely... Yeah, you know, like I said, like, not in my top ten, but fine. It's great. Yeah. I loved Honesty. Well, yeah. It was a really Carter light episode, though, in the same way that the last episode was very teal light. Yeah. But yeah. Well, cause she was she was incapacitated pretty early on, and unlike Jack, they didn't feature a lot of Caveman Carter. Right. Which is, I mean, probably for the best after the yes. initial, you know, this is what Caveman Carter is going to be like. So, it, well, we're also talking about the vaguely sexist but mostly just humorous jokes i did kind of like um when after they had tranked all the cavemen except daniel and melosha and they see daniel and melosha there and jack's like daniel you dog you keep this up you'll have a girl on every planet i found that yes amusing. yes no same i was also thinking about that one but uh yeah so that was uh that was the broken divide which, if you play by the rule of once they say the title, turn it off, you would have turned it off about halfway through the episode. But I'm glad you stuck through it with the rest of us. And last week's episode, you never would have turned it off. Ever. You'll still, you'd still be watching it. That's like a fate worse than death, surely. <laughs> so true. Uh, next week, I believe we have First Commandment. That is correct. Uh, so, hope you tune in. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at Stargate Weekly. Uh, I'm at Gamicus on Twitter. If you're super interested in Oreo racial commentary <laughs> and sticky buns. And I am at Tyrannicus on Twitter. If you're super interested in following someone who never tweets, you should tweet more. You need to find your niche. Uh, mine is people putting food in their mouths very slowly and cinnamon buns. I mean, those two are not exclusive. That's so true. <laughs> okay, well, let's, you know, call that the show.